we're not. All right. <laughs> well, let's jump on in. Let's let's do a show. Why not? Hello and welcome to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, Aaron Hawksworth here with you from 9 to noon Eastern on the BetQL Network. Listen to the show on the Odyssey app. Watch the show on twitch.tv slash BetQL on YouTube and follow us on X at BetQL Daily here on a Technology Thursday. Joining us on the program today, Faraz Siddiqui of the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast shares his favorite props for Thursday Night Football. And then at 11 o'clock Eastern time, Kenny Ducey tells us if the Astros can start a rally and win the pennant. And that's exactly where we will begin, Joe. Last night in Game 3, well, maybe starting Max Scherzer wasn't a good idea. Under 12.5 outs cashed, under 4.5 strikeouts cashed. Just four innings pitched, five earned runs allowed, four strikeouts for Mad Max. The midseason acquisition who was returning from a soldier, uh, a shoulder injury, uh, things yeah. didn't turn out well for him. The Astros won eight to five. You know, Jason Stark pointed out the Rangers trailed for just three plate appearances for the entire postseason up until last night. Despite Josh Young's two home run effort, boy, it sure seems like the Astros are back, Joe. Did the Rangers sacrifice a game to hopefully get Scherzer ramped up for the future? We've seen this play out before. That I, That's my big question this morning. Because when you're worried about games six and seven, sometimes you never get to game six or seven or the World Series. They're back in this thing. They are. Now, had somebody else gone, do we get a different result? I have no idea, but it's not one of those situations where we can sit here and say, oh, well, yeah, maybe you made the wrong decision with the pitching, but nobody scored. You end up putting five runs on the board. That should be good enough in most cases to win a playoff game, uh, especially mm-hmm. how how scoring goes down. So got to give credit to the Astros. Another win on the road in this series. What do you know? But But the big thing that we kept talking about yesterday, obviously Scherzer, we knew what they were saying about his baseline, how many pitches they were going to go. They even went less than what they said the baseline was, but just fading him every which way. Sometimes it doesn't work. You got to be picky with your props, not with Scherzer. If you were betting against Scherzer, all of it worked. Under 12 and a half outs worked. Under four and a half strikeouts, even though that was a little sweaty. Uh, he had four strikeouts in the game. Over one and a half earned runs hit early. Over three and a half hits hit early. So, I mean, that was the big move. It was the guy that hasn't pitched in quite some time coming back. Uh, let's see how he's going to look. An opportunity to go 3-0 in the series. If you faded him in a number of ways, which is dicey when you correlate everything to one result, if you took that risk, it really paid off last night. Yeah, it certainly did. And you're right about this idea that Rangers hitters were able to do just enough. And it was, you know, from someone who we weren't necessarily expecting in Josh Young. And so certainly hitters one through nine have been uber effective for the Rangers. And it's something where, okay, just because Scherzer had a bad outing in game three doesn't necessarily mean that things are going to completely fall apart for the rest of the series for Texas down the road. When you look Mm -hmm. at how they handled the bullpen, they didn't use their best arms there in Araldis Chapman and Jose Leclerc. And we'll talk about this later on in the show as far as how to bet on the Rangers-Astros game for later tonight. But it's something where if you're going to lose, lose magnificently so that you're not using your best arms in your bullpen for a game that ultimately doesn't go your way. So in that respect, I think things turned out just fine for the Rangers. 
And then as far yeah. as the Astros are concerned, Christian Javier didn't have his best stuff after four innings. He did add some mm-hmm. velocity to much of his key pitches. Still got 11 swings and misses with his fastball, which he uses nearly half the time. We saw Jose Altuve go yard. Uh, Jordan Alvarez was also magnificent. Uh, my Jose Abreu pick uh, turned out to cash. So all of that was uh, you know great for those who backed those hitters. But this is something yeah. where we knew the Astros – we're not just going to go away and get shut out and have no offense whatsoever. They would come ready to play, and they certainly did that. Yeah, we've we've got a series now. And to your point about the Rangers' bullpen, yes, good on them in that sense, in not using their top arms. But also, I wonder, did they sacrifice that game? Did they sacrifice that game for the future of the series? Sometimes you crack that door, and it could be bad for you. You don't want to invite a team like the Houston Astros into the series uh speaking of javier yeah he was great early uh you could tell he was losing it a little bit 85 pitches thought he would go a little bit deeper that's what we've typically seen from him in the playoffs uh you mentioned using his fastball half the time he's definitely using it more than that last night that that four seamer had life man it it was looking Mm -hmm. really good early on for him so Great outing there. Uh, Astros, four different players with multi-hit games. Abreu, Tucker with doubles. Altuve uh, hit a home run prop for you if you went that route. Astros plus money. The over nine was popular. I think Jake was on that one. Uh, That one was uh, pretty certain that was going to get through pretty early. And um, wow, just what a difference one game makes. And I know these are very different situations. But now the ALCS is Texas minus 250, Houston plus 200 at BetMGM. NLCS is just one game different. It's Philly minus 900, minus 900 <laughs> favorites. Very different situation. Uh, nobody thinks that uh, that the Diamondbacks have much of a chance of making that one a series. Yeah, you mentioned the life on the four-seam fastball for Javier. Uh, added 148 uh, revolutions on his spin from his uh, regular season average. Goes from two, wow. uh, 2,255 up to more than 2,400. So, you know, remember the context there. But still, when you say it adds life, it means there's a lot of spin to it. And when you can add some spin to a four-seam fastball, especially if Rangers hitters aren't used to it. And that's the key thing. Like, they've seen Javier plenty of times. But when you add some dimension to your pitching that hasn't been seen before, that's how you win postseason games against familiar opponents. And so we'll see if Justin Verlander and company will be able to do similar things later on in the series. But we do know we will get to a fifth game and we do know we have a series there. And we'll also talk about the NLCS later on in the festivities. But let's get to a little football here and we will give our bets for Thursday night football between the Jaguars and Saints later on in the show. But we should mention that Jacksonville has signed a quarterback off of the practice squad to the active roster in Nathan Rourke. Now, granted, Ian Rappaport has reported that Trevor Lawrence is confident he will play tonight against New Orleans. But, Joe, it seems to me like if you are signing a quarterback off the practice squad, especially with C.J. Beathard uh, as part of the roster, it's definitely something where you are at least preparing for the worst-case scenario, right? Yeah, it certainly sounds that way. And I don't know what to believe as far as the practice reports that we've been getting. A lot of different stuff out there. Out of competing interests about what is really going to happen in this matchup. We're hours away and we don't know. We don't know. Is it going to be Beathard? Is it going to be a hobbled Lawrence, a compromised Lawrence? Like against this defense? I don't want that. If I'm on the Jacksonville mm-hmm. side, if I'm a Jaguars fan, if I'm a Jaguars better in any way, 
I I don't like the way this sets up. Lawrence had a hundred percent in this specific spot. Two weeks London division game you won, but you could make the case that uh, maybe you didn't outplay the Indianapolis Colts this past week. Now you have the quick turnaround. I, I see why people are on New Orleans. I see why it touched three, and now it's come back down since the sense is that Lawrence is going to play. It's just going to be, you know, a 65 to 70% Lawrence. Well, and the biggest problem is, and we've been talking about this all season long, Joe, this offensive line is atrocious. There's a reason mm-hmm. why Lawrence throws quick passes all the time. It's not because he thinks it's the best thing for this offense necessarily, though sometimes it can be efficient. It's because his offensive line can't protect him that well. And this whole idea of Lawrence and pocket manipulation, yeah, to an extent that's true, but the protection is a big question mark as it's been all season long. And now Lawrence is 100% where one bad hit could be curtains. And that is a big issue when you're talking about a game like this against that defense. Now, granted, there are some key injuries here, which we'll talk about in a minute. But still, though, you like the scheming, you like the pass rushing, you add all of that up, and Lawrence could be in some serious trouble here. So you've got 10 days after this, and then Mm -hmm. you've got, you're going to Pittsburgh, always tough. After that, you've got to buy. Should they consider, like, the Rangers conversation? Do you consider not tanking, (laughs) not sacrificing, but let's see if Beathard can get us through this spot in a coin flip game. Mm -hmm. Perhaps, Uh, you know, like I said before, Beathard, I think is more than capable enough to at least keep the offense on schedule for the most part. Like, yeah, it's a dip, but if Lawrence is only 65, 70%, then I don't know how much of a dip that really is. Like, I trust Doug Peterson. I trust Beathard to a point, like we said yesterday when we were power ranking our backup quarterbacks. I think Beathard's, Beathard's the best one out there. And yeah, yeah, you need to sign a quarterback to to further supplement the backups. At the same time, I don't see that being an issue. I think it's just the prudent thing to do. And Beathard knows how to throw quick passes. He knows how to keep the offense with an up-tempo. I think that's just fine here. Meanwhile, for the Saints, like offensively, you know not to expect a whole lot out of them, especially as they're missing offensive linemen with Derek Carr, you know, not being up to snuff uh, in the early going. I look at this and say, you don't have to expect a lot out of your quarterback. You just need to expect him to stay upright, stay healthy, and get those key conversions whenever possible. Yeah, and I think for me, I lean more Saints side here because even if it is Beathard, who has more experience on a short week? Derek Carr. Even if the Saints Mm -hmm. and Derek Carr aren't that good and don't quite measure up, I still think experience in a short week, Thursday night football, I still lean Saints here. Um, Maybe they can get some things going. They have the better defense as well. I'll probably just stick to props in this one. <laughs> kind of gross, <laughs> both sides of the ball here. I'm not super interested in this matchup, but if I have to, I'll probably just go props. But I do think the Saints will be able to cover the one and a half. A lot of unders, perhaps. Uh, maybe that's the way we'll tease this. A lot of under props that maybe we want to look mm-hmm. into just because uh, maybe some of these offenses leave something to be desired. Uh, as far as other quarterbacks and uh, their statuses, uh, Jimmy G did not practice. Sean Watson did not practice. Uh, Daniel Jones did throw, but he's not cleared for contact. And Josh Allen was uh, very much limited, though it looks like he will be available to play. 
as far as all of these quarterback injuries are concerned, Joe, which one stands out to you the most? Watson talking to the media was weird. I don't know if you guys saw any of that, but he was like, yeah, um, I could be back tomorrow. I could be back in two weeks. Like, why is this guy even talking to the media? I don't know. I, I don't know. He didn't really even seem like he's interested in returning all that soon. I, there's been a lot of weird stuff going on with the Cleveland situation. And congrats to them on the win last week. They might be in a bad spot this week. Don't don't have any idea what's happening with Watson. I have no idea. I feel like we have a sense with some of these other quarterback situations. Like it, Jimmy G's probably not going to be out there. Uh, Daniel Jones, maybe he could be out there, but you're an organization that has harped on the fact that you've put your quarterback in awful spots. Like this is the worst way to develop a quarterback and your entire offensive line is injured. Do you want to force him back with a neck injury? Like that wouldn't make any sense to me, but it's the Giants. So maybe they end up doing it. You know, Josh Allen's talking like nothing's wrong. Like he's good to go. We've seen him hobbled in the past, and uh, I, I have my questions. That number is large for a divisional matchup and a team that looked pretty terrible on Sunday night. So a lot of questions. Hopefully uh, we get a little more clarity over the next 48 hours. But I, I don't know. Yeah, the, the Watson thing just left me with more questions than answers. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. A lot of questions and no answers. What that Deshaun Watson presser was very odd to me as well. I I have no idea what's going on there. Maybe he doesn't either. Everyone was probably left confused by that. What I do know is this Colts team stinks. So whoever the quarterback (laughs) is, hopefully uh, the Browns can cover the number. As for the Bills, I mean, that is a large number, Joe. I, don't, I, yeah. I keep hoping like Josh Allen, they've had a couple like off weeks in, and I know he's banged up, but I'm thinking, okay, is he due for a bounce back week? What's going to happen? How, I just think we don't have enough information on the health of some of these quarterbacks to make good decisions this week. And and maybe that's where the strategy of, okay, maybe Josh Allen is not a hundred percent or maybe Trevor Lawrence is not a hundred percent, but you, not that you want to trust your head coaches or, or trust, uh, you know, offensive play callers, things like that, uh, in order to make decisions about which quarterbacks should be out there. But it is something where if they are at least more serviceable than the backup, then that has to mean something, right? Then there has to be a baseline as far as what to expect. And, you know, when it comes to Josh Allen, like, yeah, he may not be 100%. Maybe he can't move around very well. But guess what? Look at the offense that he's going up against. They may not score anything. So maybe oh, Josh right. Allen doesn't have to do very much. Like he still has to be out there, but along but as long as he doesn't absorb some critical hits, eh, they'll be just fine. Not a week seven thing, but Kyler Murray back at practice. Get ready for the drama. Oh yes. I love that. Can't wait. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, Faraz Siddiqui with some early prop plays to look forward to in week seven. That's right here on the BetQL Network. Back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And joining us now to talk about NFL props is Faraz Siddiqui of the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Faraz, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. So let's talk about Thursday night football between the Jaguars and the Saints. By the way, guys, the line is moving already. Uh, Saints are now two-and-a-half-point favorites in this contest Mm -hmm. 
Again, we will get to our thoughts a little later on that game. But Faraz, uh, you're here. So let's talk about props. And second order, third order thinking certainly is the name of the game as far as I'm concerned. And so if the Saints do have a lead and maybe they have a commanding lead, Maybe they run the football a little bit more. Maybe Alvin Kamara is a little bit more involved in this offense than he already has been, which is a lot. How should we bet on him? You know, it's it's interesting because initially I was looking at these lines and I said 15 and a half rushing is where Alvin Kamara's line is set. And I'm like, you know, that seems a little low. Uh, but then you kind of take a look further and you realize that both Saints tackles are going to be out tonight. Uh, so that is something to keep in mind if you're going to go the over. Now, can he get enough volume in this game where he could go 50 and a half rushing yards? I think so, right? He, he's, you know, over the last two games, he's got the volume on the ground. So I think that's solid at minus 110. However, if you do want to pivot and you're a little bit worried about that, Kamara, over four and a half receptions at plus 100, uh, you know, even if we leave that the ridiculous 13 catch game out uh, of this discussion when Carr's <laughs> shoulder was all messed up in week four, he still caught, mm-hmm. you know, three uh, and then seven this past week, right? And also the Jaguars, if you look at what they've given up, they've given the third most receptions to running backs this year. Uh, I can totally see them kind of, you know, if, if the run game isn't there, if those tackles have an impact, maybe they dump it down a lot more often if Derek Carr's in trouble. Uh, wanted to follow up about Kamara and your process there with running backs because it, with NFL props and running backs, that really seems to be the one where script, game script, how the game flow, it's impacted more than anything else. So the line is moving towards New Orleans as a bigger favorite. Like it's going against Jacksonville. So the market is thinking, okay, the Saints are going to win this game or they're going to have a lead maybe, maybe throughout much of it. And, you know, like, yeah, the matchup looks tough, but hey, if they're going to be leading, maybe they're going to be looking to kill the clock a little bit in the second half, limit possessions. It's going to be a low-scoring game. Is that part of your process when you do props with running backs? Like, do you strictly look at, look at the numbers, look at the matchups, or do you also invlu- include, like, where the line is going, possible game scripts? Oh, 100%. You know, especially if you're going to be looking at things like, you know, r- rushing yards, rushing attempts, you know, that sort of thing, you know that's really when I'm looking at the game script a ton. Um, Also, when these running backs are involved in the two-minute offense, you know, guys like Kamara are definitely involved there. You want to look at, okay, well, is this team going to be down? You know, are they, is the other team heavy favorites? Because in that scenario, you know, their line, if there's a line set three and a half receptions, for example, then you might want to go the over there because you know that those running backs are going to be uh, I'm sorry, that, that team is going to be throwing it a ton. Those running backs can catch a lot of those checkdowns in, in those two-minute type of situations at the end of games. Uh, but yes, no, for sure. You know, in this type of situation with the Saints, most likely, uh, you know, with Vegas projecting them to win this game and the spread being, you, you said, moved to two and a half now, uh, I think there mm-hmm. is a good bet that Kamara should get the volume in this game. What is your process this you know, week in the season where almost every game we're looking at injuries, right? And a lot of props aren't even listed. It's like, I'm prepping for, you know, what questions to ask you. I'm like, okay, no, no props, no props. Okay, where can we go next? When yeah, do you yeah. like to bet props? Do you try to get them early, you know, when they're, as soon as they're posted? How do you handle the injury situation? 
Yeah, you know what? I do like to take a look as soon as they're posted. Like, I think Fridays are are, are great. You know, obviously the Thursday night game, you want to do whatever you can there. But like for the weekend, for Sunday, I like to really look at it on Sun on Fridays uh, when they're first posted. Um, there's a lot of injury situations where you can kind of look at the practice reports and kind of get a, I would say, 75% estimation of whether guys are going to play, you know, whether that's guys on the offensive line banged up, you know, limited practices early in the week usually indicate that players will play you kind of look at what Saquon did last week and him getting limited practices all week and you're like oh you know what I could throw uh some props in there because he all his stuff was pretty low last week as well right so you can get a little bit of an advantage uh if you move early kind of piggybacking off of Aaron's question here when it comes to the other offense playing tonight in the Jacksonville Jaguars Definitely Trevor Lawrence won't be 100%, and there is the possibility that we could see some C.J. Beathard uh, part, whole, who knows. But how do you kind of incorporate that information, and are there receivers and running backs who would you like to tail or fade given that dynamic? Yeah, you know what? It's it's interesting, man. And and I think that's one of the main wrinkles, uh, you know, in this game, right? Trevor Lawrence not being 100%. Do they try to run the ball more? I, I think they, they attempt to do that. But this is a, a pretty tough rushing defense, right? So, you know, Travis Etienne, he's he's been efficient. Uh, he's had, had he's had those big plays. Um, if I had to bet anything on on him it would probably be the under on the rushing yards uh but his big playability does scare me a little bit and i do think the volume could be there for him but you know trevor lawrence you know will he have enough time will he be able to you know when the pocket's collapsing will he have the mobility to to get out of the pocket escape make plays i'm not sure right so one of the plays that i do like this week is christian kirk uh just this entire matchup for christian kirk uh, is looking pretty solid. So his line is set at 52 and a half receiving yards at minus 120. I'm going over here. All right. The Saints have been relatively tough on wide receivers if you look at the look at the numbers. But Alante Taylor, the Saints nickel corner, he hasn't been the best in coverage. Uh, you know, uh, you know, and, and opposing quarterbacks are targeting him at the highest rate of any of these quarterbacks. As a matter of fact, 26 percent of the time where the, where receivers running a route against them, they're being targeted. So that's a ton. That's more than any other spot in the field. Uh, Kirk runs uh, his routes out of the slot at a 72% rate. So I like Kirk having a good game tonight and hitting the over. And if you're feeling a little frisky, all right, mm. he's this corner has given yeah. up three touchdowns in his coverage. Okay, so a little Christian oh, wow. Kirk anytime touchdown at plus 240 tonight. I kind of like that. Uh, that's a good look. I, I think a lot of people watching that London game a couple of weeks ago, they're going to, oh, Rid Ridley's out there, and he had a big game. I, I watched that one. They might go that route, and why do you want to pick on Lattimore? Like, th this makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. This is a nice pivot uh, there. Uh, how about receivers for the Saints? Doing anything on that side? You know, Chris Olave's receiving props seems kind of low to me. And, and again, you know, these these tackles being, these starting tackles being out adds a nice little wrinkle in here, right? And, but 62 and a half still seems a little bit low to me. So, you know, if I'm going to bet on him, I'm going over here. The, the, the two games where he wasn't anywhere close to 100 receiving yards this year was when Derek Carr's shoulder wasn't 100%. And now this past week, you know, he got close to 100 yards once again, right? So, you know, the Jaguars are giving up the sixth most receiving yards to wide receivers this year. They've been particularly vulnerable on the perimeter. 
Um, and Olave has run 60% of his routes on the outside this year. Uh, so I do think Olave is going to, you know, potentially, you know, have a pretty good game. Um, but 62 and a half, like, I think that's kind of low. Yeah, and Jags, according to team rankings, 31st defending the pass. So that could be a good look. What about Derek Carr? What are you expecting out of him, whether it's yards, completions, attempts, longest pass? Is there anything that interests you there? You know, this one this one is interesting for me because I, I, I don't know what kind of game plan, you know, they're going to have. This is a, a – this is a matchup and Thursday night games. Like I tend to stay away from quarterbacks. You know, I usually try to look at the, the running backs and, you know, usually the games on Thursday nights are low scoring. Uh, so I tend like, the, I think the variance for quarterbacks has been the highest on Thursday nights. <laughs> so like, that's one of the things that I stay away from. You're not going to catch me uh, betting on, you know, unless you got, you have, look at Patrick Mahomes last week, right? Like, the, you know, this is um, not, a usually on Thursday nights I try to stay away. I think running backs usually get uh, a little bit higher usage on Thursday nights. Um so that's something that I'm looking out for. You know, Alvin Kamara just had a, a huge workload, you know, just a few days ago. I'll be interested to see if maybe, you know, does do they kind of sprinkle in Kendrick Miller a little bit? Does Jamal Williams end up being active for this game? He's coming off IR. Um uh, a few things to look out for. Now I got to go back into the lab and look this up and kind of see what the difference is. And maybe there's something there. And uh, if the market has adjusted to such things, I th- I will look this up and, and uh, see what we can get uh, as far as that's concerned. Uh, let's move on to another game. Uh, let's talk about Sunday night football between the Dolphins and the Eagles. And this definitely feels like a contest where a lot of props might be exaggerated just because we love that Miami offense and Philadelphia's offense ain't too shabby either. Any props in this game stand out to you? Yeah, I think DeAndre Swift's uh, one stands out to me. Over 59 and a half rushing yards is where I'm going at minus 115. Um, this is not the best rushing defense, right, in Miami. Chuba Harvard just did his thing against them last week. The Eagles' offensive line is providing Swift with the second highest yards before contact per rushing attempt. And this was already a good matchup for him. So I think the Eagles will try and stay balanced on offense this week. And, uh, you know, like, believe it or not, like, the Eagles are actually favored in this game at home. You know, look at how great Miami has been playing and, you know, Eagles last week, you know, losing to the Jets. But there is a solid chance that the game strip stays in a favorable situation for Swift, like we were talking about earlier, right? Like the Eagles are favored in this game. Um, So I think Swift can continue to get carries throughout this game. Um, So 59 and a half seems a little low to me. I would expect at least, you know, 15 carries for him in this game. Let's talk about this Rams offense. Everyone going over Cooper Cup. Uh, you got to play him 200-yard games in his uh, two games since his return. What are you doing with this Rams offense? You know, I'm still going over on the Cooper Cup, like, to be honest with you. Like, I, okay. I, I'm, I'm still betting on him. Uh, this is a really good matchup. However, I'm looking at the other receiver there, Puka Nakua. His line is set at 59 and a half. Uh, if you take the over, which I am, that's at minus 120. Listen, this defense has given up the ninth most receiving yards to wide receivers, um, you know, and they had a buy already. Okay, I'm talking about total receiving yards. Okay, so that's not good. Okay, if you had a game to rest and you're still giving up, you're still in the bottom 10 and receiving yards given up to wide receivers is not good. Okay, the Steelers have been one of the worst teams on the perimeter. That's where Puka runs most of his routes from. Okay, last last week, Stafford didn't have to throw the ball a ton. 
right? So Puka, even though like the the production seemed low, he still had a 26% target share. Right? And then he had 31% target share, which is absolutely elite the first week that Cup came back in his full-time role. So both of these guys are going to get their targets. 59 and a half seems a little bit low to me. I think Matthew, Matthew Stafford can go over 300 yards. You know, he hasn't gone over 300 yards yet since uh, Cup came back, which is kind of interesting to me. I think that's going to go up. Before Cup came back, he had four 300-yard games. So I think, you know, I think he bounces back in that department this week. Do you have a favorite prop market? Um, do you get into any time touchdown, interception, uh, any of that fun stuff? You know, I, my favorites have always been around op, like opportunity-based things, like mm-hmm. whether a guy is going to get over a certain amount of rushing attempts, right? Because you can kind of predict the game script, not all the time, but a lot of the times you can. And, and also with receptions, you know, as well. You, you can kind of, you know, that is, I think, more predictable than yardage, like in, in, in my opinion. So I like, I like receptions. I like uh, rushing attempts. Um, anytime touchdowns for sure. And, and, and that's for me, that's the fun stuff, right? Like that's like, you know, uh, I'm, you know you, that's obviously the least predictive and obviously you get the best odds on that. Uh, but like, you know, the Christian Kirk one, for example, today, I, I, I try to identify, you know, what corners have been given up, uh, you know, are, is this a good matchup? How efficient is this offense in the red zone? Those are the kind of things I look at uh, for the anytime touchdown. So those are the main ones I, I, I try to look at, um, you know, and, you know, where I usually have the biggest advantage, I think. Good stuff. Faraz Siddiqui, host of the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you. When it does come to this Jaguars offense, I think uh, these are some really important points uh, Faraz brought up and uh, Joe, you brought up as well that, okay, great. Calvin Ridley, wonderful. But Christian Kirk, the slot guy, if Beathard is out there, then you're not expecting nearly as many deep balls and Kirk is probably going to be the guy. Uh, or maybe you need to look to the Jaguars tight ends as well because they're going to keep everything right in front of them. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense on the Christian Kirk. And maybe you swayed me a little bit. We'll uh, give our breakdown and our, our, all of our bets in about a half hour from right now. And he gives me pause on Kamara because I, I was considering mm-hmm. going Kamara unders when it comes to strictly the rushing yards. But when you do take that dive into the backups and maybe you should, you should put, push those numbers that we've seen in the first six weeks to the side a little bit in this specific matchup. And it is such a, it's such a low number. Maybe the Saints end up running it a little bit more than, than they usually do because how many points are they going to need to win this game? I think it's a fair question with, with a hobbled Lawrence or Bether. Yeah. And then that makes me think twice about Olave overs. <laughs> well, oh, it, it could be something where this is a 17, 14 final, but we say, well, the score is not indicative of just how dominant the saints were. I could see that being sure. how this game turns out. So definitely a lot of paths for some overs there. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Think of the key and peel meme or gif, jif, with the uh, sweat, you know, coming down on Buffalo's Bills backers uh, when it comes to Survivor, because certainly that was quite the sweat going up against the Giants in a game that was way closer than it should have been. But the Bills prevail, and plenty of Survivor folks uh, survive to live another week. Uh, but now it's time to talk about week seven, Joe. And looking at this slate, 
I mean, I am in no place to say I told you so because I've been out for weeks now. But this definitely is a situation uh, where those who have picked the juggernauts in the early weeks now have to face mm -hmm. the reality of something that seems completely random because there are very few heavy favorites here. That was me on Sunday night, by the way. I took Buffalo with both spots that I have in two separate pools. And then late, I'm like, okay, cool. We survived that. I'm like, wait a second. The Giants have the ball again? Well, how did we get here? That is not what I needed to deal with after a night of bowling and domination, almost domination. Oh, we lost the first game by two. Wait, you're bowling again? Oh, the season's bowling. Yes, we're back in. Yeah, we're back in. Second month. Yeah, that's right. Do, do you wear those shirts with the cursive handwriting? No. Uh, yeah. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. You got something to say about bowling's bad? Bowling's for old dorks? Come on. What's, it's a good time. Let's get some drinks. Have some fun. There's football going on in the background. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, it actually so does sound fun. It is fun. It is, it's a reason so to get out. Are you the best on your team? How, how do the teams even work? I don't even know. How many people are on a team? <laughs> Four. 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 Four okay. Team. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, do, we'll do get you to have, some bowling Do you have a Donnie on your team? Do, do no. you have a Donnie on your team? You just completely browbeat the whole time? No, 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 no. I'm, I, one thing you should know about me is I'm a mature individual. Ed, this is I'm, I'm not gonna pick on anybody <laughs> um i you, i would agree with that you you are a mature individual absolutely you Am are yeah uh let's look as far as survivor you're right what we have is there are four games where you're really looking at the favorite you're taking a close look mm -hmm. um here's the thing it's you got three uh lines that are a touchdown or higher and you got one that's five and a half in three of those four, they're division matchups, which is something we go back to. You want to stay away from division matchups. All Buffalo, the New time. Seattle, Arizona, Kansas City, and the LA Chargers. The one that is not a divisional matchup is San Francisco on the road, favored by a touchdown. A beat-up San Francisco team. We don't know about CMC. We don't know about Debo. Yes, it's a great bounce-back spot. But I have concerns, and it's prime time on the road. We don't know the status of some of their best players on offense. So if you're looking and outside of those top four. we don't four, know anything about Brock Purdy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. So if you're looking outside those top four games, good luck. Everything else is a field goal or shorter. So for in my instance, I, I've used Buffalo. I've used Kansas City. That was that Bears game which helped me get through because that was a week of chaos, actually. So I didn't, I don't mind having used Kansas City already. So my real options are Seattle and San Francisco, and I'm leaning heavy Seattle. More and more we see of the Cardinals, it seems like this is the three-and-a-half win total team that we all talked about in the offseason. And now you've got Kyler Murray back at practice. <laughs> is he really taking reps away from Joshua Dobbs? That would be insane to me. Um, th they show up. They fight, they show up for a half, sometimes three quarters, but going to Seattle, Seattle coming off a loss, probably a game that they should have won, the way they were able to limit that Bengals offense. I Even though it's a divisional matchup, I do like Seattle a whole lot, and I don't think many people have used them yet. 
I like it too. There's this is a tough week, right? Oh my gosh, there's not it's a getting lot tougher of and tougher. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh really quick, how did last week go with the undefeateds going down? Did not a lot of people have them or any It's weird. It was kind of weird. Like those were larger point spreads, but really nobody seemed to have them. Oh, nobody was in Philly. Darn. That 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 number was inside of a touchdown. And I, mm -hmm. I was surprised that San Francisco wasn't popular at all as nine and a half point favorites coming off that Dallas game. I thought they would be, a, I guess people were scared of going against that Browns defense, which, you know, if that was your thinking, you, you were dead on with that. But yeah, nobody was with San Francisco. The popular ones were Buffalo, Miami. Oh, there were a lot of texts going around when the Panthers were up 14, nothing in that game. Yeah. <laughs> Calmed down a little bit. Uh, that game ends up uh, not being close. And then you would assume the Bills were going to run away with it and hide, but they did not. That was a sweaty one. If the Giants could have converted one of their five uh, times in the red zone, we could have had a different result in that game, but we didn't. Uh, Bills backers survive, and uh, and that was me. So not, lot, not a lot going on last week. Uh, this is a tough one. I don't know. Which, yeah. which one would you guys feel good about uh, at the top? Well, uh, back to Seattle. Do we really see yeah. Josh Dobbs going into Seattle and getting a win? I mean, just say that out loud. I don't think it's going to happen. Hell no. <laughs> exactly. Without James Conner. Without James Conner. How'd that yeah. go? Right. I don't see it. You can't no. run. The Seahawks run defense has been phenomenal this year. Kind mm -hmm. of flying under the radar about how strong they've been. Okay, let me ask you this. If you can't go top four, if you've got to take – one of these others, which is any game on the board, field goal or shorter. Where do you go? I got I, one. I don't feel good okay. about it, but I got one. I get that. Where are you I going? I would go with the Browns. I would go with Cleveland. Ooh. And I get that maybe I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because yesterday when we were power ranking our backup quarterbacks, I did not have P.J. Walker in my list at all. I was willing to ask for a subscription to the Bajancy despite a super <laughs> small sample size because I trust him more than I do P.J. Walker. However, this Colts pass defense is atrocious. At some point, I also think Minshew, you know, turns into a pumpkin. So there's that element as well. I, I, I think the combination of this Browns defense being able to affect a backup quarterback and at least a ground game that at some point should get better. I mean, that offensive line for Cleveland should be formidable enough in a matchup like this one where, yeah, it's going to be sweaty. It's going to be uncomfortable, but I still think Cleveland can win this game. And like you said, like there, there are really, you know, easy answers here, but coming into the game, like just, Forget about, you know, what you think about the here and now. Think about your priors in a game like this. Did you think that, okay, if everybody were healthy, the Colts would be better than Cleveland? Uh, probably not. Like, you'd probably still back the Browns here. So then you add up these injuries. I, I think your priors are still okay. Where are you going, Aaron? All right. This is a crazy one. I do like the Browns, okay. too, but I found another one. I don't know if anyone's okay. going to be able to stomach it. The Rams have been a really Raiders. fun team. Of no, course you no. did. I can't. No, the Rams. 
I the Rams can't... against Tomlin? Oh my gosh, it's yeah, so scary. It's so fun at the same time. I mean, Pickett is terrible. Najee Harris, yes, what are is. we doing? These guys are regressing. <laughs> I know what we're um, not doing. <laughs> we got Puka Nakua. We got Kyron Williams, Cooper Cup. I think the Rams can beat the Steelers. So in Ooh, all fairness, also by I, I too. took the Rams. Yeah. Yeah, I took the Rams last week against the Cardinals. And, you know, again, like I'm out of our big survivor. But, you know, the way that I ran my model, I said, okay, the Rams are already chosen. So I never considered them in this exercise. Mm -hmm. But I actually think the Rams probably should have been chosen by now, either against the Cardinals or maybe in a couple of other key matchups. All right. I'm going Seattle. But to answer my own question, yeah, Tomlin off a bye. Yeah. Don't get bowled over, Joe. That's tough for me. Okay, Ray- oh, bad. Uh, Ravens plus three, no way. No way. I wonder if anybody ends up doing that. <sighs> Raiders on the fa- – it's a favorite. No way. Um, no. I think tonight. Saying Saints. If I have yeah. to. If I have to go off the board. I actually like I that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that one. That's good. No, I I think it's perfectly fine. Like win out. Like the only thing is the Saints will play the Panthers again, right? True. So there may be an opportunity there. Uh, I don't think Definitely. too many people pick the Saints like in that first meeting, but there will be a second meetup in New Orleans. So there is the case to be made that you would pick the Saints again down the road, but in the here and now. I don't think it's a bad pick, especially if you made the mistake of exhausting so many favorites up to this point, which certainly is a possibility. Like we're through six weeks already. Like there are plenty Mm -hmm. of folks out there who picked the 49ers at the right time, picked the Chiefs at the right time, things like that. And now you're starting to scrape a little bit. Okay. Couple more. Anyone Mm -hmm. interested in Green Bay over Denver? You couldn't even say it without laughing. (laughs) (laughs) So the answer is no. Yeah, there is that. No. Yeah. Paul, no. that yeah. seems like something Paul might be on. It's an What's Aspen Paul move. It's an Aspen I move. I, I I think Green Bay is a spare at this point. Yeah. Tampa Bay, Bay over Atlanta. We hate Desmond Ritter. The mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield resurgence. <laughs> uh, uh I mean, at some point you will have to do this, but is now the time? Like, is it too early in the season still to have to Seattle resort to, to these things? Probably the best one, I think. Yeah, you know, another one where that that's a good point about the Panthers because Atlanta mm-hmm. they're, they're going to play them again, right? So that's right. why you would want to stay away from Atlanta. Uh, mm-hmm. They're they're probably the good team, point. and you know the Bears going to have to play the Packers again. So that's. Oh, God. That Panthers-Bears game in a couple weeks. Oh, man. (laughs) Terrible. I'd rather try and knock down a 7-10 split than have to deal with that one. Oh, my God. Uh, This is Back to the Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, the latest on Trevor Lawrence's status and all our bets for tonight's Thursday night football game between the Jags and the Saints right here on the BetQL Network.